Hey, good morning. When you think about the word awkward, what do you think about? I think about uh, when you have to ask somebody out on a date. Remember that moment in your life? You uh, finally decide, okay, I'm going to take that step. I'm going to take that risk. And it's going to be awkward because they're either going to accept me or reject me. You're laying it all on the line. You become tongue-tied and nervous and embarrassed. and uh, But you make the ask because it's worth the ask. Maybe it's out to a movie or a dance or another activity. I remember when I asked my wife, Lori, out five different times before she said yes. No. <laughs> no. She was very graceful and said yes. A sympathy date, I think it was. But uh, I took her on a walk. Real big investment in the relationship. We were at Moody Bible Institute, and we did stop and get something to eat. But I remember that night. I really do. And uh, I remember that she laughed at all my jokes. And I said, this is a very unique person. <laughs> That's one of the many things that attracted to me, attracted me to her, and continue to, to attract me uh, to her. But yeah, in order to to start a romantic relationship, you have to take a risk. You have to have that awkward moment when you really find out if that person really has an interest in you. The challenge is that so many times we stop asking. We, we stop taking the risks in our relationship to grow them deeper, and they, they grow stagnant. So we want to talk about that today, how we can continue to take risky moves, to talk about risky things in order to have God-glorifying relationships. Right now we're in the middle of this Love at Last Sight challenge as a church. We're on day 16. And if you haven't gotten invested in this journey, there's still half of it left. And I encourage you to do that. If you're going to have a return, a significant return, you've got to have a significant investment, right? So we ask you to make the investment. Here are some of the challenges that uh, we throw out to you. First of all, uh, oh, I'm sorry. These are some of the messages we've had before. The Art of Being All There, Mary and Martha. Then we have The Art of Intentionality with the Prodigal Son, the day The Art of Risking Awkwardness. And then uh, the challenges we have is to commit to attend weekly as we go throughout this relationship series uh, to buy the resources. This is the book, uh, Love at Last Sight, 30 Days to Grow and Deepen Your Closest Relationships. And this book is filled with a lot of rich insights on how to obey God's command to love other people. And many of the challenges that we face are addressed in this book. And it's 30 chapters for 30 days. So if you haven't bought it yet, I encourage you to buy it. If you don't have the resources, anytime you don't have the resources for something, just let uh, who's ever at the table know and they'll give it to you. We don't want that to keep that to keep you from being involved in uh, what's going on here. But again, you, you read a chapter a day during your daily office, your time with God, 
and you think about it, meditate on the scriptures that are found there, and engage in that way. That will really make it significant. So again, pick this up today if you don't have it, and start reading the current chapters, and you can go back and read the other chapters at a later time. The other thing we challenge you to do is to attend a small group, download the smartphone application. That has a different coaching video for every day of the challenge, talking about what you're reading in the book. And then the Facebook fast or the Internet fast, no use of social networking sites, no Internet use for entertainment, relationships. You have to use it for work and school, obviously. And then you take the time that you save from not being on the Internet, and you spend it with a person face-to-face, phone call, letter, Skype, whatever it is, but you are all there. Remember we talked about being all there, how Mary was all there for Jesus. She was sitting at his feet, looking into his eyes, listening to him. Well, we need to learn how to put down the computer, put down the iPhone, turn off the TV, and look at somebody one-on-one and really give everything we have to them and make that connection. I encourage you to buy the wristband here for a dollar as a daily reminder of being all there. Well, again, this morning we want to talk about the risk of awkwardness, and we want to look at a a well-known story in Mark chapter 2. If you could take your Bibles and turn to that passage, Mark chapter 2. Give you a little context of where this takes place. Uh, as a map of Israel, you see Capernaum in red there at the top of the Sea of Galilee. And then you have Nazareth down near the bottom. That was Jesus' hometown. And he had just been there before this story. And he had been rejected. The prophet has no honor in his hometown, so... He went back up to Capernaum, and we read in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. It's interesting. Did Jesus Christ have a home? Well, no. Jesus Christ was homeless. He stayed in other people's homes. And he stayed a lot at Peter's house. And we believe that he was staying at Peter's house at this particular time. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room. People would come to hear Jesus teach, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Now, let's get an image of what this looks like. This is a rendering of what a middle-class Jewish home looked like. You had the yard surrounded by a gate. And you had the first floor where they ate, where they worked and and their animals there where they slept. And then you had an upper room. Remember Jesus Christ and his disciples going to an upper room? Well, that's the idea. They were going to a house that had an upper room. And this is the hospitality room. This is where they socialized with friends and family. And then you had another staircase that went up to the top where they would hang out on the cool evenings after a long day at work. So this is the setting. Jesus Christ is in the upper room. You have the scribes, Pharisees, other people that have come to hear him speak. And, and it, people are coming out the door. That whole upper area probably was covered with people. And these four men 
are bringing their friend. They're bringing their friend who is paralyzed. We don't know how long he was paralyzed, how much he was paralyzed, to what degree that is. We just know that he was paralyzed. And they loved their friend. And they were bringing him to Jesus Christ because they just knew if they could get him in front of Jesus, that he would be healed, as Jesus Christ had done for so many other people. So that's where we're going to start out here. We're going to talk about the acronym RISK, R-I-S-K. Our chance to reach out to others. This is always the first step in growing a relationship, to reach out to others. And that's what the friends did. They reached out to their friend. I don't know how the conversation went, but obviously the friend wanted to be healed as well. And so they went off on this journey. They were intentional about their relationship, as we talked about last week with the prodigal son. We learned that we need to be intentional about our relationships, especially when people are hurting. We read in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. When you're part of the Springbrook family here, it's not just coming to weekend services. It's about relationships as well. It's about knowing one another, being known, having satisfying relationships, and especially helping others when they're going through difficult times. Everybody has a burden today. Some of you have incredible burdens in your life that you're bearing. Physical burdens, emotional burdens, relational burdens, financial financial burdens. And they're weighing you down. But hopefully, there's somebody that's sharing that burden with you. Somebody that's helping you bear that burden. I think the worst thing in life is for someone to go throughout life and never have a close friend that they can share their burdens with, that they can talk to, that they can vent to, that they can ask advice to, where a person can ask for prayer. That's one of the things we need to do as Christ followers, is bear each other's burdens. And there are so many wonderful stories that come out of our small groups of how small groups just gather around individuals who are hurting And that's why we encourage people to be a part of small groups. So you can have those relationships. If you just come here during the service, you really can't create the relationships you need when you're going through those dark times. I think just recently, I think about just recently, uh, when a wonderful lady who was going through some difficult times, uh, I got involved uh, in helping her and advocating uh, for her. And then I asked another leader uh, to help this particular person. And they spent a lot of time and energy helping her. And then someone in her small group got involved in her life and is continuing to help her. As I think about that, just one story, that is what our body is about. It's about caring for each other, loving each other. It takes a lot to bear someone else's burden, doesn't it? It takes time, time which is so precious to us. It takes physical and emotional energy. 
It takes sacrifice. It takes a servant's heart. And basically you're saying to another person, I want to walk with you through this. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to be ready for you. Whenever you call, I'll come running and do whatever I can to you, uh, can for you, to help you through this situation. Sometimes we ask, well, why, God, have you allowed this burden in my life in the first place? Well, there's a lot of reasons that God allows burdens, but one of them is so we can use the comfort that we receive as we go through a difficult time to comfort other people. We read in 2 Corinthians 1-4, Paul writes to the people of Corinth, God, who comforts us in all our affliction or burden, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction or burden with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So one of the reasons we go through difficult times is so God can comfort us. God can infuse physical, emotional energy, wisdom, guidance. We feel His presence and we sense God in the midst of our pain, that He's with us and He's there providing for us. And then we sense God working through other people who come around us and encourage us and bear that burden with us. And after we get through that situation, we have the responsibility to pass that comfort on that God has given us. So someone else who has a similar burden, we can share that comfort with them. I can think about my father dying this past year, and he had Alzheimer's for six years. And I think about how that was a painful experience, but one of the reasons that God allowed that was in order that I might pass the comfort that I received from God as well as from you. So many of you were such an encouragement to me and had been through similar situations and gave me counsel and advice in so many different ways. So now I'm in a position that if a person has a relative who has Alzheimer's or a person is a caregiver or a person lost their dad, I can minister to them more effectively because I can pass on the comfort that I received when I was going through my experience. That's the way it works. So even in the midst of your pain this morning, think about the fact that as you work through this particular issue, that you're going to be able to more effectively minister to other people because other people are going to go through the same thing you are going through. And God is going to use you to touch their lives. Are you bearing someone's burden today? I know that we as families bear each other's burdens, wife and husband and children. What about somebody outside the family? Are, are you bearing someone's burden? I know many of you are. Many of you are walking along and praying and encouraging and doing whatever you can to help people through suffering in their life. But if you feel like, you know, I could do more, I would encourage you to pray to God and say, Lord, bring someone to my life that I can minister to, that I can bear their burden. Bear their burden. Not only do we want to primarily meet the needs within our own body, 
But we also want to meet the needs of our community. That's part of our heart-strong vision, growing a, a larger heart of compassion. We have a heart-strong team, our compassion team meeting right now, thinking and strategizing about how we're going to make an impact on the community around us. But one of the things we're doing presently is we're asking all the small groups this fall to pick out a compassion project, a way that you can meet the burdens of other people that you don't know. Some different ideas here. Uh, we have the Wayside Center, where we put the new computer center in. There are annual year-end offering. You can give Josh a call if you're in a small group, and you can go there and serve lunch as a small group. That's a great project. And also we have the Homeless Ministry with Gene Heckenberg in Elgin. Gene attends our church, and give him a call, and you can serve breakfast to the homeless in Elgin. Or you can visit a nursing home. A lot of our groups have done that. Just give a nursing home a call and say, hey, how can we be an encouragement to your residents? How does that work? Just come in and visit people. And, or also you can care for elderly neighbors. And you can do whatever you want as a small group in showing compassion. Maybe someone has a neighbor down the street and they need their yard taken care of or maybe they need a project done in their home. And you decide as a small group that you're going to adopt that elderly neighbor. And you're going to love them. You're going to give resources to them. You're going to fix whatever needs uh, to be fixed. Or maybe you want to adopt a family for Christmas. Maybe there's someone in your small group who knows a family that has needs. And you're going to say, okay, we're going to adopt this family. And we're going to love them and buy them presents. Just talk about it this week as a small group. And say, okay, what are we going to do? And just brainstorm for a while before you decide on what... God is leading you to. So we can grow our hearts of compassion and reach out to others. The second thing in the RISC acronym is we need to ignore the discomfort. We look at Mark chapter 2, verse 3. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So, let's look at the house again. Jesus Christ is in the upper room. People are all over uh, the room and outside the door. And so these guys come up carrying a paralytic. Usually they had a heavy fabric that they laid on that they would be carried on. And so they walk up the stairs, and they probably couldn't go any further than that. And they said, excuse me, can we bring our friend to Jesus? And people are giving them dirty looks. And I kind of think, okay, there's no room up here. You know, I was here before you uh, people. So they're thinking, how are we going to do this? They said, excuse me, they just kind of had to bulldoze their way through the crowd. And, and one of the friends had an idea. Well, let's take the roof off. <laughs> this wasn't common back then. All right. Now, it could easily be done because there are a set of boards there that you could remove, but it was uncommon, and it was risky. I mean, these guys lived in Capernaum, and uh, they were taking a great risk if things, in a sense, didn't work out, that they had gone to this person's home. Who knows if they knew Peter, if it was his home. Uh, who knows how the crowd would respond to them? Who knows how Jesus Christ was res would respond to them? I mean, they were risking public embarrassment, 
but they had such a deep desire to get their friend in front of Jesus because they had incredible faith that if they could get him in front of Jesus, Jesus would heal him. So they were willing to take all these risks. So they bulldozed through the crowd. They went up to the roof of this upper room, and they started to remove the boards. <laughs> you can imagine everybody listening to Jesus, and all of a sudden you know, it's cracking, and all of a sudden a board comes off, and there's daylight. <laughs> what is going on here? You see an image here of maybe how it looked. Uh, these guys uh, got some ropes, we're not sure, but they lowered their friend down to where Jesus was. What a, what a precious moment that must have been. They were willing to risk their comfort, get out of their comfort zone. They're willing uh, to lose some things in order to help their friend. Well, friends, if we're going to grow our relationships, we need to do things that are uncomfortable. We need to talk about things that are awkward. We need to do things we normally wouldn't do. And Jesus Christ modeled this for us. He's our inspiration. In John 1.14, John writes, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God loved us so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And Jesus Christ left His throne where He had a 24-7 worship service going because He is God. He left His throne to become a baby, a fragile vulnerable baby because of his great love for us. He put so many restrictions on his divine attributes. He took the form of a human. He was a human. God at the same time. Talk about discomfort. Talk about not your ideal situation. Right? You think of the paralytic. Imagine if you were totally paralyzed and the only thing you could move was your head. Think about how restrictive that would be. And so many people suffer with that. Well, that's kind of like what Jesus did. And we can't even come close to any analogy. But think about it that way for a moment. If you were totally paralyzed out of your love for somebody else, you're willing to restrict yourself and have no motor function. That's what Jesus did for us. He chose that out of His love for us. And therefore, if we're going to have God-glorifying relationships, relationships that please God, we need to take that awkward step. Let's talk more about that as we talk about the third letter in the analogy. S is for share your heart. So this is where... It really becomes uncomfortable because you're, you're telling the person exactly what they need to hear and what you need to talk about, what you need to say, and it's not something you normally do. In verse 5 it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, and we talked about the incredible faith that they had, taking all these risks in order to serve 
their friend. And these passages are so important. Whenever we see Jesus Christ was impressed by a person's faith, we need to study it and say, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I experience this in my own life through the power of the Spirit in order to have this faith to do things that I don't feel comfortable doing? If you don't feel comfortable, you need to start praying that God would fill you with this power in order for you to make that decision, to take that step of faith. So Jesus Christ is looking up at these guys. <laughs> he loves it. He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Wait a second. I thought he wanted to be healed of his paralysis. What's he talking about? Your sins are forgiven. Well, Jesus Christ, of course, could read minds. We'll see it a couple different times in this passage. But he first sees into the mind of the paralytic. And I believe that the paralytic wanted to be forgiven of his sin. And so he sensed that. And that was his most important need, right? To be forgiven of his sin. I was talking with a woman last night who was dying of cancer. She doesn't attend our church, but I know her. Uh, and she's on a Sherman, so I spent some time with her. And she's a solid Christ follower. And I was reading from 1 Corinthians 15, which talks about the fact that, uh, oh, where, O oh, death, is your sting? You know? The fact that because of Jesus Christ's death on the cross and our acceptance of the gospel, of his grace, that we don't experience the sting of spiritual death. And we just proclaim again the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that we believe that we're all sinners, we can't work our way to heaven, that it's only by the grace of God that we accept the free gift of salvation from eternity separated from Christ, and by receiving that free gift of salvation, by repenting of our sin, we become Christ followers, and we have a guaranteed eternity with Him. And so I was just reminding this precious saint that you're going to be with God forever. And there's no sting in death, no penalty in death, because God has removed the stinger from the bee, from the bee that stings and ends our life. There's no stinger, because we're going to be in His presence and friends, if you're here tonight or today and you don't know for sure if you're going to heaven, if you died today, I would encourage you to go to our prayer room and talk with me or someone else you might know and say, how can I have that kind of confidence? How can I be a part of the family of God? Because that is the first problem. The first problem was not this man's paralysis. His first problem was a spiritual condition. He was dead spiritually, and God gave him life. So he says, sons, your sins are forgiven. Now, it's interesting. He goes, now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Now, they're not speaking out loud, but Jesus Christ knows what they're thinking. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And they were right. They're saying by Jesus Christ saying that he forgives our sins, he's claiming to be God. And, of course, he was. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? Now, that's a trick question, right? What's easier to say, really? Your sins are forgiven, 
or rise, take up your bed and walk. Well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because nobody knows if that actually happened. But to us, watching, it's much more difficult for Jesus Christ to say, rise, take up your bed and walk if they don't believe that he's God and he doesn't have the power to do that. So they're kind of, they're speechless, right? Well, verse 10 says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. This is very interesting. The reason that he healed the paralytic was to show the people in the room that he was the Son of God. There's always a reason behind every miracle that Jesus Christ did. He just didn't heal everybody. He specifically healed people for specific reasons. And in this situation, the reason he healed this man was to show them not only did he have authority over the physical world by giving this man use of his limbs again, but he had authority over the spiritual world in forgiving this man's sin. So by showing them he had authority over this man's body, it proved that he had authority over the spiritual world, which proved that he was the Son of God. Yes, yeah. Jesus Christ was showing them his divinity. And that man was healed. So as we look at this, this idea of sharing your heart, when this man was lowered into the room, he was sharing his heart with God. He was taking a big risk. His friends were taking a big risk. They were sharing their hearts, saying, we need help. We need spiritual healing. We need physical healing. And they took it right before Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ honored that. But it was a very awkward moment. There's no doubt about that. So let's talk about ways that you and I can take some risks in our relationships. The first thing we talked about a lot last week with the prodigal son, to ask forgiveness. The definition of awkward is doing something clumsily and without skill. And many times asking forgiveness we do clumsily because we don't do it a lot. <laughs> we don't say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I hurt you, I'm the reason for this problem. That doesn't come very naturally to us. And for some people, it doesn't come at all. And so that's why it's awkward, because we're not used to doing it. If we were apologizing all the time, it wouldn't be that awkward. But, again, we're basically humbling ourselves and saying, I'm sorry for hurting you. Or how about giving forgiveness? That's awkward, too. That's hard to do. Even giving forgiveness when the person has not asked for it. But you have to forgive them because God wants you to, and will free you up spiritually and emotionally. That's an awkward thing to do. There's somebody you need to forgive in your life. And you need to take that risk, even when they might not change at all. Even when you don't feel like it's fair. But you need to forgive because Jesus forgave you. Or maybe it's uh, telling someone you love them. Some people are just naturally encouraging, naturally share their love with other people. Maybe you're not that type of person. Maybe you don't naturally give out encouragement. You don't naturally encourage your kids or show love to them. Well, 
you need to take out, or you need to t- take a step of faith. And maybe you just need to sit down with your child or your spouse or a friend and tell them how much you love them and how, how much you appreciate them. And that's really awkward for you because you're not even sure how to do that. <laughs> you know, men of an older generation, some of you grew up with dads who never said, I love you. They did everything for you, and you knew they loved you, but they never said, I love you. Maybe you're that kind of dad, and they grew up in that generation, and you've never really verbalized, I love you, to your kids. Well, that's something, of course, they need so much, no matter how old they might be. Or maybe it's emotional affection. Maybe you're just not, you know, I no hugs, man. Don't touch me. <laughs> maybe you just need to go and hug your adult child. <laughs> Or show, show more emotional affection uh, to your wife and to your kids. That's awkward. I don't. That's not me. Well, that's not the point. The point is that you need to give to people what they need. And you need to step outside of your comfort zone or bring up a difficult topic. There are difficult topics in our relationships, right, that we don't want to talk about because we know it might get uh, you know, kind of tense. But you know it needs to be talked about. So maybe that's an area. Or how about telling somebody about Jesus? Maybe you've worked at developing a gospel relationship and you've loved them and you really have a good friendship with somebody, but to actually come out and say you're a Christ follower, to come out and, and say, I believe Jesus Christ is the answer to everything in life, and, or come out and say, I really would like you to become a Christian and here's why, that's really hard. But maybe that's the step of faith you need to take. and. Pray to the Lord and say, Oh, Lord, give me the faith that I need to, <laughs> to step outside of where I feel comfortable and, and be awkward. It's going to be an awkward moment. I'm not even sure what to say, but I'm just going to do it. It's like asking somebody on a date. I'm just going to say, I love Jesus. <laughs> I want you to love him too. All right? Here's my homework assignment for you guys. Uh, go to your spouse or your child or your friend and ask this question, How can I meet your needs better. How can I meet your needs better? Well, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Because <laughs> you might find out you're not doing a great job of meeting their needs, and you think you are. <laughs> so you'd rather not know. That's what we do, right? I'd rather not know. I'll just keep living. If they don't say anything, things are cool. Well, no, things are not cool. Your relationship is not where it could be. You've got to take that step of faith and be willing to ask that question. So for husbands and wives, I want to encourage you especially to ask that question this week. And if you're not sure how to answer it, just say, I'll get back to you tomorrow. (laughs) Or some of you are fearing, oh, they'll have all kinds of answers. (laughs) I've heard their answers quite a few times. But ask the question. You blame it on me. Hey, Pastor Dan forced me to ask this question. (laughs) Call me if there's trouble. but most of us are worried that we're going to have to work harder on the relationship. They're going to tell us something we have to do that we don't want to do, that doesn't serve us, that makes us feel uncomfortable, that takes our time and our energy. Well, that's what we're talking about here, being awkward, an awkward moment that you ask God to help you to fulfill the needs of your spouse or sit down with a child or your friends or whoever God leads you to. 
The last part of this acronym is K, no, the reward is greater than the risk. Matthew 9, 8 is another version of the story. It's fun in all uh, three or four Gospels. Matthew 9, 8, when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to men. I mean, they were just awestruck. I mean, can you imagine a guy who's lowered to the rough? Obviously, he's a paralytic, and then he stands up and walks out. <laughs> they knew that they were in the presence of God or some, someone very, very uh, special. Mark 2:11. I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Can you imagine the moment when that took place? And you got the four guys, the four friends, and they're kind of looking in. And what's going to happen? And all of a sudden, they see their friend stand up. I'm surprised one didn't fall in. <laughs> like, whoa! <laughs> Lands right in front of Christ as well. I mean, <laughs> incredible! Exactly what they wanted. And I can imagine they went home rejoicing, jumping with their friend who maybe, I don't know, maybe they'd never seen him move uh, and just watch him running. And <laughs> What a time of rejoicing, isn't it? And that's what God wants for your relationships. And I know some of you are in very, very painful relationships with your adult children, with uh, your spouse, with a child of yours, a teenager. Yeah, tough relationships. And again, maybe you never can imagine a time when you'll be running and rejoicing. And maybe not. Maybe not to that degree. But friends, you need to do what you're... You need to fulfill your responsibility. And I, and I guarantee you that if you follow God's lead, there's going to be a sense of satisfaction and a deep joy... It might not be like, oh, the relationship's back together again, but at least you're doing your part, and you know that you're following God's lead. Even if the other person isn't willing to risk, you're willing to risk when you've been kind of, you know, uh, withdrawn. And you're willing to open up one more time and say, I need to tell you how I'm feeling or whatever needs to be said. That's my prayer for you, because when you follow God's lead in this way, when you take this step of faith through His power, God's going to bring beautiful things uh, to your life, and He is going to be glorified. All right. Well, let's take out our programs at this time. You could rip off the welcome slip there and write down the names of any adults that are here. If you're a regular attender, if you're a guest, it's so good to have you. Fill out the rest of the information so we can get to know you. Write down prayer requests. And there's a portion under the name and date that says next steps. And here are some of the next steps. We want you to be able to walk out of here and say, this is what I'm going to do this week based upon what God has uh, talked to me in regards to what I've learned from his word. And we're not going to follow up on these, uh, but just as a way of saying it's my decision. I'll ask someone, how can I meet your needs better? I'll invite someone out to our fall outreach series. I'll take a step this week to cultivate a gospel relationship. I'll make a commitment to be on time for worship gatherings. I'll meditate on or seek to memorize 1 Peter 4.8. And I'm interested in knowing more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So the circle of one of those. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this wonderful story. Wonderful story about faith wonderful story of your power to forgive, your desire to forgive. 
wonderful story about Jesus Christ's time on this earth and how he was willing to live in a very awkward situation in order to bring us life and a story of hope. I pray that all of us would take a step this week in order to bring greater health to our relationships and in order that uh, you might be glorified. In Christ's name, amen.